Praise the Lord. You know, I went, was in my office praying yesterday morning about what the Lord would have me preach. I kept trying to go back to our, our sermon series through 1 Peter, and the Lord kept saying, nope, 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 nope. And what he did was led me to a message. I, I, pre, I actually preached it here. Uh, I can't remember. Sometime early last year. And before that, I, it had been a couple of years since I had preached it. And I want to start by asking you a question, and I'm pretty sure most of you are going to answer it pretty much the same way. How many times have you ever seen bad things happen to good people? I'm sure everybody in here can say, yep, I've seen that. In fact, it seems like it's been compounded even more over the last um, few days since this hurricane. You can look at different things and you say, you know, they, that's such good people. Why in the world do things like that happen to them? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about a man in God's Word that was a good man. God's Word says he was a good man. And probably the worst things that you can imagine happening to someone happened to this man. But I want to start by telling you a little bit of a story before we get into uh, this man we're going to be talking about. And this story comes from a man named Paul Enns, E-N-N-S. And he was a uh, pastor, he was an author. And he wrote a book, and that book was entitled, Everything Happens for a Reason, with a question mark behind it. God's Purposes in a World Gone Bad. And he opens this book, and he starts talking about the terrorist attacks uh, on the World Trade Center on 9-11, which that, the anniversary of that is coming up um, pretty quickly. And he begins to share a brief story uh, about his grandmother. Her name was Oma, O-M-A. I assume that's how you pronounce it. And it really grabbed my attention. Now let me tell you a little bit about Miss Oma. Uh, she left, or her family left Prussia when she was a girl to escape persecution. If you'll know what Prussia is, uh, that is used to be uh, or what is now Germany. That was a kingdom in Germany uh, right up to World War I and, and after that. But they left Prussia to escape persecution and settled in the Ukraine, which is part of uh, what formerly the Soviet Union. And when they went to the Ukraine, she, she, it only, she only encountered persecution yet again when she got there. And now let me tell you what, when I'm talking about persecution, I'm talking about persecution because of her faith. She was persecuted in the Ukraine at the hands of the communists because this was just after the October Revolution and they began to persecute Christians there. And the author here describes his grandmother, Miss Oma, in this manner. He describes her as a picture of peacefulness and a picture of tranquility. 
You know, they have a, a medication folks take now, and this is not a, a knock on it, called Zoloft. And uh, I've been described as, I believe my body produce, naturally produces Zoloft. In other words, it's a pretty calm, calm person. But this woman is kind of what I imagine right here, someone that is just always calm, always uh, peaceful, always tranquil, but... Let me tell you something, this tranquility and this peace, Miss Alma had, did not come from a medication. It came from the Lord Jesus Christ and her faith in Him. He described her as always either having a Bible in her hand or, or somewhere close by. He described her as never hearing a harsh or critical word come out of her mouth. She never complained. The grace of God and the peace of Jesus Christ enveloped her life. You see, we want to we want to brag about Miss Oma, and 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 obviously, uh, Pastor Ends here wanted to brag about his grandmother, but he's quick to point out that those qualities were not of the flesh; those qualities came from Jesus. He says that you would never know that in the midst of the persecution in the early part of her life, because she wound up coming to the United States and settling in the United States, but you would never know in the midst of that persecution and for the rest of her life she suffered from an ailment. He described it as an enlarged and ulcerated foot that never healed. That sounds bad enough in and of itself, doesn't it? She suffered the loss of two husbands in her life. She had to bury nine of her ten children. You see, Miss Oma discovered to simply trust in the sovereign plan of God. She never complained of her afflictions. Even though she didn't understand why these bad things, these awful things were happening to her, she still trusted God and she still trusted the promises of His Word. What I gather from that and what I, 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 I gather from God's Word is that we must understand, we must understand, and we must acknowledge that we are not eternal. We're not infinite. We're definitely not omniscient. Only God is. And we cannot expect to fully understand God's purposes or ways. You're never going to understand all of it. There's some things he doesn't reveal to us. Scripture talks about that. And as before we read our text right here, and as we look around our society, and not only look around our society, but look in the mirror every morning, we must understand and acknowledge there are no good people. Listen to me. Wait a minute, preacher, I know some, I know some good folks. 
There are no good people. There are no righteous people. When we think about the absolute sense of the words good and the words righteous, all of us are tainted and all of us are infected with sin. We're born that way. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. John tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, that if we think we are without sin, <laughs> then we are fooling ourselves. When we think about the words of the Lord Jesus when he's talking to the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18 and verse 19, he says, there is not one good, not one, except God. It just serves as a reminder that we do live in a fallen world, that sin affects us all, believers and unbelievers. Good, bad, ugly like me. And one of those effects is seemingly senseless suffering. Like Miss Oma and the man we're going to read about this morning in the book of Job. I bet y'all knew who I was talking about, didn't you? <laughs> If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Job chapter 1. We're going to jump around just a little bit as we read this. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 6 and read down through verse 12, and then we're going to jump ahead and read verses 21 and 22. If you got your Bible, if you got it in your Bible, if you found it, say amen and please stand to honor the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. When the word says sons of God, they're talking about angels. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And if we look ahead into verse 21, it says, And he said, "These are this is Job talking. I know we skipped over a lot of stuff, but what happens there is, is pretty much everything that that man had was gone, including his family. 
And I want you to look what Job says here. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful, Father. Lord, that you are the God that gives and the God that taketh away. God, we're thankful for this word this morning that we have read. Lord, I pray as we go forward through this, Lord, that you would remove me, Lord, that you would speak through me, Father, that you would put your wisdom in my head and your words in my mouth, Father, that you would be glorified here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Old Job, y'all have heard the phrase, having the patience of Job. You know, when I was a kid, I'd heard that, and I really didn't know how to, how to take that. It wasn't until I began to, 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 to read God's Word and read the Gospel to understand what that meant. You see, this man lost everything he had, including his children. Job was a, was a wealthy man. He had, he had a lot of possessions, a lot of animals. Uh, uh, during this time that Job lived, animals, if you had a lot of animals and stuff, you were a wealthy man. Job had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of kids that he loved very much, and he lost every one of them. Job, in Hebrew, is pronounced Eob. And when translated, it means the persecuted one. And based on verse 1, uh, of, of Job, even though we didn't read it, you can. You're welcome to read it. Job is a good man. The book of Job is perhaps one of the earliest books written or taking place in the earliest times in the Bible. It's set in the period of the the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Boy, preacher, this is in different chronological order. I know that. But it's taking place after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, but before Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven. How do you know that? Well, Satan goes up there. He's amongst the sons of God, talking to God. As we see here in verse 6, God is, is beginning to hold counsel with his heavenly court. It's talking about the sons of God. The angels here, he's holding counsel. And his angels are beginning to render account of their ministries throughout the earth and, and throughout heaven. They're giving account to God. God decides in the midst of this to remove his hedge from Job and allow Satan to do his work. To prove himself and to prove Job's faith in him to be sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Doesn't matter the calamity in your life, his grace is sufficient. He's proven himself time 
And again, I often sit there and think, and I think about Job right here. And I wonder if I would respond the same way if faced with the same circumstances. I don't know that I would. When we see or experience bad things happening to good people, we need to remember these four truths. And the very first one, and I have to remind myself of this every day, that this world is not the end. In verse 21, Job realizes this. You see, his circumstances within his own life right here, right here are not going to deter his faith and his praise of God. You see, in the midst of all this calamity, he chooses to praise God. You see, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, someone that has surrendered your life to him, we must have an eternal perspective You see, we will have a reward someday. And friend, it will be glorious. And I'm not talking just about the mansion that we just sang about. That's just one of the clusters. You see, the glorious part is Scripture tells us that we will have a glorified body just like Jesus does. And we're going to be in His presence forever. And we've got to have that perspective as a believer. The second truth, after realizing and understanding that this world is not the end, is remember that God uses those bad things for an ultimate and a lasting good. Let me read something to you. I'm going to turn all the way here to the back of See, if you read the beginning, if you read the beginning, you see all these terrible things. Now, throughout the book of Job, you got Job and his two friends, and they're trying to analyze, trying to figure things out. I'll touch on that in just a minute. But when we think about God using those bad things for the ultimate and the lasting good, let me, let me tell you about the ultimate and the lasting good here at, at, at the end of the book of Job in uh, chapter 42. Let me just read a few verses here to you. Verse 10, it said, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had, had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him at his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. That's a lot. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. 
And he called the name of the first, Jemima, I can't read that, that's a, that's a hickory nut name there, <laughs> Jemima. The name of the second was Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hapuk. And all the land there was, uh, were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. You see, he went through some bad things. But in the end, uh, God uses those bad things for an ultimate and the lasting good. Me and Lance were talking the other day about uh, uh, when this coronavirus pandemic first came around, we couldn't come to church. Well, everybody began to be creative and think about different ways they could share the gospel and, and, and people begin, and I'm not talking about just here at Atlanta, I'm talking about churches all over the world begin to record their messages and their Bible studies and whatnot and place them on the internet and instantly they go around the world. And we've heard of, uh, of places around the world, I believe one was even in the Philippines that was watching our services right here at Atlanta. So we have a bad situation where a, a, a pandemic has, has changed things from what we normally do, but you know what? That's not a surprise to God. God is not limited by a pandemic. God is not limited by a hurricane. God has taken those, those things that happen here on the, this earth. You know, when Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, you know what? I've overcome the world. I'll overcome that. It's already over. He will take those bad things and he will work them out for an ultimate good. The third thing, God uses those bad things to equip us for an even deeper ministry. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, I'll tell you, as I have studied the Bible, Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ is my favorite individual to read about in the Word and study about. The second one's the Apostle Paul. When you think about the things that Paul did through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but yet think about his humility in the midst of it, where he's chained up and he's hanging in sewage and rather than kick and scream and stomp and say, Lord, get me out of here. I don't need to be in here. This is miserable. Would Paul say, oh, that I could know him more. But the apostle Paul tells us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, because God comforts us in our trouble, in the midst of our horrible circumstances like Job here, we can comfort others in any trouble with the same comfort that we ourselves receive from God. You see, in the midst of our suffering, just like Job here, God will equip you where you can go be the hands and feet of Jesus with somebody else. 
Job went on to live another 140 years. And I'm pretty sure in those 140 years, he told somebody about what God had done for him. And that's how we share the gospel, folks. That is the easiest way when we talk about uh, being uh, going out and fulfilling the Great Commission, going out and, and, and uh, sharing the gospel with people and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them the things that Jesus taught us. The easiest way to do it is tell somebody what Jesus did for you. And I'm pretty sure old Job did the very same thing. And the fourth thing we need to remember, when we think about bad things happening to good people, is the absolute, listen to me, the absolute worst thing happens to the very best. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, folks. I've heard people say, well, I've heard of a lot worse ways to die than what Jesus endured on the cross. But let me tell you something. What Jesus endured on the cross was a lot more than nails driven through his hands and feet. It was a lot more than being beaten. You see, those, that pain was inflicted by a man. What Jesus endured on the cross was the concentrated fire of God's wrath. And it was pinpointed solely on Him. That wrath that we deserve. If you'll read scripture when Jesus died on that cross God turned his back the sky turned black the earth began to shake scripture tells us that graves burst open when Jesus died you see, we know nothing about the wrath of God. We know nothing about enduring the wrath of God. We want to sit around and have a pity party and talk about how bad it is, but we have no idea what it feels like to endure the wrath of God. Thank the Lord. Jesus did it for me. He endured it for me. The absolute worst thing happened the very best because of me because of my sin you see going throughout the book of Job Job and his friends wanted to analyze his suffering they wanted to look for uh, uh, the cause and they wanted to look for solutions they tried to use all of their sound theology in their Inside, and they searched for answers but only found useless and wrong ideas. God eventually rebuked them 
in chapter 42. I'm not going to read that. Read chapter 42 and see what God rebuked them. You see, they couldn't uh, know why Job suffered because the conversation between God and Satan in chapter 1 was unknown to them. There was no way they were going to know. You see, they thought they had the answers, but uh, their insistent ignorance only intensified Job's dilemma. You see, there are matters right now, this morning, right here in Atlanta, Louisiana, there are matters going on in heaven with God the Father that believers know nothing about. You see, nothing comes to a surprise to him. He's aware of everything. You see, it's not our place to be God. It's not our place to know those things. Sometimes we don't ever find out a why. Sometimes God says it's none of your business. I'm God, you are not. We only need to trust Him. We've got to trust that He is, in fact, God. Brother Dan, he's got a board over there. has a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture on it. It's found in Proverbs. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, listen to me now, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And he will set your path straight. Oftentimes we want to complicate serving the Lord. We want to complicate our lives because we want to, sometimes we want to ease him off that throne a little bit and sit down. What did we just read right here in Proverbs? Trust him. Quit trying to lean on what you know, because I'm going to tell you, this old boy right here don't know nothing. <laughs> Acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will set your path straight. Would you stand with me this morning? Mr. Roger, would you come to the piano? I know we've had some We've had some tough times as of late. Seems like it goes back even further than that. <laughs> We've had a tough time trying to navigate how to minister to people when you can't be around them, when you can't love on them. Some of you might have had a tough time trying to buy groceries because you, you've lost your... Uh, uh, your job, you've been cut back or what have you because of that virus. It could be anything. You might have, like old Job here, has lost a loved one. 
foster daddy, a mother, a brother, a child. And you don't know what to do. You're just overwhelmed and you're, you're, you're just overcome with, with all of this burden, with all this sorrow, and you just don't know what to do. Well, that book that we just read out of there, uh, up here, tells us what to do. Trust Him. It's hard. That book is not going to say, well, it's not going to be hard. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not difficult for Him. None of it is a surprise to Him. Trust Him. Our little stage right here is kind of dual purpose. We stand on it. It's also a place you can pray. These altars are going to be open as they play and sing. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Him, I would encourage you to do that this morning. Folks in the parking lot, I pray that you can hear me out there. If you don't want to come in, come see me after this is over with. As Mr. Roger plays and Lance sings, would you bow your head? Will you search your heart? These altars will be open. I'll be up here if you need somebody to pray with you. If you don't want to pray with this ugly joker, there's people around here that'll pray with you. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me home, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm old. Through the storm.